0: Am, uh, I'm unbelievably grateful to be here, to be a part of New Walk. It's been a long time, three and a half years or so, um, and I haven't got fired yet, so here's hope for tomorrow. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I think it's incredible to be here, and I'm grateful for Pastor Gary and Miss Sean and for New Walk just in general. But i got to be honest, today I kind of feel like we're all at a doctor's office, and um, you came in for your normal doctor. And he turned around and was like, yeah, I gotta be honest with you. I'm taking today off. So uh, I got a junior doctor, though, that he's practiced a couple of times. I know this is heart surgery, but you'll be okay. And you're like, no, 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 no. I do not need a junior doctor. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But the reality is that I think God has some really big things for you today. And some really big things for me as well. I've been around church a long time. I don't know if you have or not. It's okay if you haven't. But have you ever found a sermon that you found yourself tapping your neighbor Especially if it's your wife, not too hard, but you just tap her and you're like, this is for you. Or maybe you go online and you share it and you go, this is for you. Or you send it to someone. You got to see this. I really believe this message is for all of us. If you've ever struggled with doubt, worry, anxiety, fear, I think this is for you. We're in a series called Don't Stop Breathing. And last week, Pastor Gary did an incredible job talking to us about what it looks like when life gets too much. When it feels like we have too much on our shoulders and too much on our weight and too much going on and we have to figure out what that looks like and how to be able to move forward in life. And it was just an amazing message and that's kind of where we're going today. Do you remember growing up as a kid and you went to a pool party or maybe you had a pool party or you were at the neighborhood pool and you were hanging out and you're having a great time? I want you to go back to that moment. Sun is shining Birds are chirping, you're in your best swimsuit, you got an alligator nearby because it's Florida, and um, it's just a beautiful day and everything's going great. Until you decide that you want to go to the very bottom of the pool and you want to have a tea party or whatever it is you did at the bottom of the pool, and you went down and you start running out of breath, so you shoot back up and there is a massive float right in your way, and you can't get up. And you start feeling like, oh no, I'm in I a panic. And so you swim a little bit to the right and try to go up and you can't get there. You swim a little bit to the left and you try to go up and you can't get there. And in that moment, you start panicking because you think, well, I'm gonna die. I'm five years old, six years old, seven years old. I'm gonna lose all the important things in life like Fruit Loops and um, Stretch Armstrong or whatever it was that you loved at that age. And you are panicked beyond belief. Most of us remember that moment. Most of us experienced that, but there's a lot of us in the room that are feeling that right. Now, if whatever reason, whether it be financially or family or life, or maybe it's just, you know, a relationship or a job where you feel like you are overwhelmed and that float is stuck on top of you and that there is no escape, you feel trapped. And I get it. I get it. I get that's where you feel right now. And that you go, well, Rusty, how am I going to start breathing? You say don't stop breathing, but I feel like I stopped a long time ago. How do I start breathing today? I think the problem is that when we're trapped under a float like that, we start acting irrationally. We try to go and we start panicking and freaking out. We decide we're going to flip off whoever we possibly can, literally and figuratively, to figure out how we can absolutely get this breath again. But if we would just take a second, if we would just breathe, we'd probably see the solution. I don't know about you, though, but that doesn't really work for me. I don't do rational well. Maybe you do. You all look like incredibly rational people, but I don't do rational well. If one of you today texted me and said, hey, Rusty, can we have a meeting tomorrow? Um, If you text me tomorrow, tonight, and said, hey, can we have a meeting tomorrow? I'd like to talk with you. Go grab coffee. I'm like, well, I don't drink coffee, but sure, I'll go watch you drink coffee. And you're like, hey, can we do that? I'm like, yeah, but can you tell me what this is about? And you say, no, 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 I'd rather wait till tomorrow. I just want you to know I wouldn't sleep until the next day. Right? Have any of you ever felt that way? Like your wife or your husband texts you and says, hey, we need to talk. You're like, I'm available. They're like, you're having a root canal. Doesn't matter. I'll stop. Like I, I'll talk. Like I don't do well waiting. I don't do well waiting for the solution. I don't do well waiting for God. And maybe it's because I've never been taught how to wait. Maybe I never understood the value in waiting. Today we're gonna talk about waiting on God. We're gonna talk about how do we wait on his direction. And his plan, how do we deal with some of these complications when you feel like you're drowning? How do you wait on God? Today, I want to tell you a story about two people in the Bible, one specifically, but it's really two. And it's um, found in the book of Genesis. And it's this guy named Jacob and his brother Esau. Jacob was not very good at waiting. You see, he was a trickster. He was a uh, kind of a conniving little guy. And he didn't really do very well waiting. He he seemed to scheme and do all these things and sometimes it worked out really well for him, but a lot of times it ended up really, really bad for Jacob. This story starts as all good stories do when they were born and, and Jacob was the younger just by a millisecond. And for you, maybe that's not a big deal in today's world. You go, I'm younger, it's okay. And for some of you, you really wish you were the younger one because your parents parented you completely differently, right? Like like your younger sibling and your parents were best friends. You were mortal enemies with your parents, right? Like like they they treated you differently. But in this day and age, you really wanted to be the older child, especially the older male, because you got double the inheritance. You got double the birthright. And so you would end up with like two-thirds of all the stuff because you were older, on the day they were born, Esau came first and Jacob was clutching his heel, clutching Esau's heel. And so they named him Jacob, which literally means clutching his heel. Duh. You know, like that's, sounds like a really good name. Like That's perfect. But another translation of that could be one who steals, which is not nearly as good of a name. But it's true. This is the way Jacob would live his life. This is the way he would go out and try to figure things out in his world. He didn't know what it would look like and so he would begin to steal and cheat and do everything he had to do to be able to get ahead in life. And again, for some times, it worked. But other times, it didn't. One day in a crazy story, he tricked his brother into selling his birthright to him. If you know the story, then you just have to bear with me. If you don't know the story, this is how it went. Esau was a hunter, and he came in really hungry, really hungry. He was famished. It must have been a long hunt. Comes in, and Jacob has prepared a nice bowl of stew for him. Now, I'm a good Georgia boy, and I've had quite a few bowls of stew in my life. Ain't none of them worth selling my birthright for. None. Now, if it was a bowl of ice cream, we could talk, you know what I mean? Like I, I might, I might be willing to bargain a little bit, but a bowl of stew, in some reason, he was like, man, this is the greatest stew I've ever had in my entire life. And I've seen some of you wait in line at Chick-fil-A and you'd probably do the same thing for an eight piece McNugget, or chicken nugget, whatever. And I, I think it could happen. But this moment, he was so hungry. He sold him his birthright. And then his mom helped him trick his dad into affirming it. Jacob's getting the better end of that Esau's freaking out and so Esau tells him he's like hey if I see you again you're gonna die and so Jacob does what Jacob does best and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs and along the way he he makes more mistakes he makes more problems more challenges more issues along the way has some problems but at the end of the day somewhere along that journey he began a relationship with God that God saw something in him even though his past didn't look very well And I just wanna take a quick commercial break from our message about waiting to tell you that there is a God above that created you and sees something special in you as well. That no matter if you're the youngest person in the room or the oldest person in the room, no matter if you've made zero mistakes or every mistake, God above sees you and thinks that you are beautiful. That he doesn't love your mistakes, but he loves you. And maybe you haven't heard that in a while. Parents, maybe you haven't heard, maybe your kids are getting a little older in life and maybe you're a grandparent now and people don't really tell you they love you very much. I want you to understand that the God that controls every single thing is looking at you this morning and saying, I love you. His arms are open wide. Do you remember what a really good hug feels like? A really good hug for you frozen parents, an Olaf real warm hug, you know what I mean? Do you you remember what that feels like? The God above, the one that is holding all of this in motion, has his arms out for you and for me right now, just waiting to embrace you. And there's something so beautiful about that. Jacob's path was far from perfect. It's actually really bad, but God loved him even in spite and even because of his mistakes. And he feels the same way about you. Along the way, Jacob's life started kind of getting a little bit better, slowly. He figured out how to forgive. He figured out how to To be honest, he figured out how to do these things. He started a family. He had children. He was tricked himself, so he started learning these things, but there was one thing that never had been fixed, and it was his relationship with his brother. It had never been fixed, and he's a little overwhelmed about that because Esau was a really big warrior, and he was not, and he, he didn't really know what to do, but he knew in his heart he had to make it right, and so he sent delegates to his brother, messengers to his brother to try to work something out, but sadly, as a lot of problems do, It didn't go as well as he hoped. We're gonna jump into this story at chapter six, or I'm sorry, verse six of chapter 32. Um, It's it's in your notes. It's gonna be on the big electronic Bible, but I'm gonna read it to you. And it says this. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you. And he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Here is Jacob, terrified for his life. He is stuck under that float again. And he makes a rash decision. When he should have been waiting on God, he begins panicking. And I gotta be honest, I kinda get it. You see, we all have a million things we worry about every day. We all have little things that to everyone else seem like little things, but to us, they seem like really, really big things. Maybe it's a problem with your job. Maybe it's a problem with financially. Maybe it's a problem in your family. Maybe you're a parent like me and you have a kid that just you worry about all the time. Um, They're gonna show you a picture of my daughter, Isabella, on the screen. Um, This is Izzy, uh, and that's Judah standing behind her. Um, Judah is acting weird, Izzy's acting normal. You know who takes after the mom and the dad. Um, I think you know that. Izzy is about two and a half years old now. She was born on Christmas. And at this point, uh, Judah had already gotten rid of pacifiers and diapers. He was potty trained. He didn't have a, di- a pacifier thing. It was fine. Izzy, not so much. She's very stubborn. She loves her pacifiers. She loves her diapers. She loves these kind of things. She doesn't really want to change. And I know I always hear this from parents. that are like, Rusty, it's not a big deal. She'll eventually grow out of it. But I got to be honest with you all. I lay up at night, a lot of nights, reading articles on pacifiers and diapers and figure out how to get rid of pasties and diapers. You're like, Rusty, it's not a big deal. But to me, it's a really big deal because I fast forward and I see Izzy walking down the aisle to meet her husband with a pacifier in her mouth. And she has to pull it out to kiss him. And when he says, say, I do. And then she finishes the wedding. She goes, Dad, I need a diaper change. I'm like, you're 22. Like, I can't can't do this anymore. And I know to you, it's not a big deal. But to me, it's a huge deal. And we all do it. Jacob was freaking out out about meeting his brother. You do the same thing. Maybe it's a conversation at your job where it was a small disagreement, but you lay up at night thinking you're gonna be fired the next day. Maybe your husband loaded the dishwasher wrong one time and you call a divorce lawyer because it just ain't gonna work after that. It's all these little things in life that are so small, but to us, they seem so big. And because they're so big, we act irrationally all the time. Instead of making good decisions, instead of waiting on God to tell us what to do, we begin to act irrationally. Here's the problem: when we don't wait on God, a lot of bad things happen. In your notes, I put three bad, three things that happen when you don't wait on God. These are true of your life; they're absolutely true of my life. But you're going to find out they were true of Jacob's life as well. The first thing that happens when you don't wait on God is that you divide your house. You divide your house. You see, Jacob was so terrified of Esau that he immediately uh, divided them all to protect them. And I'm gonna be honest, this might be a good war strategy to divide and conquer. It's a terrible parenting strategy that you divide both to both sides and go, I'm gonna protect one and I hope the other one figures it out. Like you really have to decide who your favorites are in that situation. The dad was supposed to protect them from the front, but also beside. And I wanna tell you that when you're dealing with a financial problem, I know that sometimes it requires two, three, four jobs. Maybe it also requires a side hustle or whatever. I get it. But when that situation causes you to remove yourself from your family for an extended period of time, I want you to understand that most of the time that's not from God. That ultimately, fathers, you're doing an amazing job, or maybe it's the mom, you're doing an amazing job providing for your family, and thank you for that. Sincerely, thank you for providing for your family. But they need more than money. They need encouragement, they need love, they need it's quality time, they need to be taken and dropped off from school. And you go, Rusty, that's not my situation. I get it. But occasionally, we've got to be there for our family. And there's so many times in life where we find ourselves dividing ourselves to try to conquer a problem. And all we can see is this financial debt. and We go, i got to fix that. And you do. I'm not discounting that. But don't forget your family along the way. You know, a lot of times we have problems, husbands or wives, and we solve them without including our spouse in the praying process. And we just go, no, nah, I'm, I'm just gonna do it, I'm just gonna do it, I'm just gonna get it done. And there's so many times where I believe God wants you to walk with your spouse, pray with your spouse, and ultimately come to a decision by God, for God, through that. But we eliminate that, and we move people out of our lives, and we don't ask them their opinion or their thoughts. or We don't pray with them, and one decision turns into two, and two turns into three, three turns into four, and now our family is disconnected as they've ever been. And they go, well, I'm 40 or 50 or 60 now, and I want my kids back, but they're so far gone because we divided them in the moments that mattered. Your kids need to pray with you. You can hide them from the big things. I'm not telling you you gotta tell them about every major situation, but you do need to pray. If you're moving houses, pray with them. If you're changing jobs, pray with them. If you've got struggles, pray with them. If you don't hear anything else that I'm saying today, understand that when we are waiting on God, we have to include our family in the situation. Because if we don't, we'll divide them. The second thing that happens when you don't wait on God is it leads to sin. You know, Pastor Gary often tells us that sin is missing the mark on God's design for our lives, and I think that's a great definition. And it also often, for most of us, think of big things like lust or uh, or cussing or stealing or murdering a guy that cut you off in traffic, justifiable but still a sin, or, or being a New York Yankees fan, like all of these major, major sins, you know, I, and they are. All of those things are major sins, things that maybe you can't come back from, but Also, not listening to God or not following God is just as much of a sin. You see, when you choose to accept God as your Lord and Savior, when you choose to follow Him, it means you literally are following Him. And so the moment you don't listen, the moment you don't hear, the moment you don't walk with God, then you are missing the mark on God's design for your life. You're living in sin. And while it might not seem like I'm murdering a guy, while it might not seem like I'm cussing, while it might not seem like I'm being a New York Yankees fan, I I am missing the mark on God's design for my life life. We're supposed to hear from him. We're supposed to listen to him. We're supposed to walk with him. And so if we're making decisions without asking God, then we're not doing any of those things. And we're headed in the wrong direction. And the last thing is when we're headed in the wrong direction, when we're we're living in sin, we will never win the battle. The last one is you lose the battle. The third thing that happens when you are Not waiting on God as you lose the battle. I'm a very competitive person. Maybe you are as well. Um, The other day in staff meeting, we were playing a game. It was a really dumb game that I'm still mad about. And um, it was this game where we had to answer trivia questions on our phone. And we would answer them, and then we'd have to give our phone to someone else. And then they got to answer the question for us on our phone. And they got to determine whether we got it right or wrong. Well, my phone ended up, my phone for my team ended up in my wife's team's hands because my wife is on staff with us. And she missed it on purpose. And I got really angry. And I know I'm going to re-engage after this. Stop looking at me like that. But I was so, so mad. And like I'm walking out of the room and I'm kind of like pouting, you know what I mean? She goes, Rusty, you can't possibly be mad. I I am mad. I'm so mad. I wanted to win. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm competitive at everything I do. If I see you walking down a sidewalk and you're walking a little faster than me, dead gum, i I'm coming. I'm coming. Every, we go to Disney with our family sometimes, like with our kids and and it's the perfect age where they're like free and it's like the greatest thing in the world. And and we're going and every single night, at the end of the night, you see all these like parents dragging, you know what I mean? Like they're exhausted. And like me and Judah and Izzy are in this stroller and I'm like running. I'm like, nah, we've beaten all of them. And they're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, gotta win. You know, I'm like that. And I'm gonna be honest, I wanna win battles in my life. But I need you to understand that when you don't take God with you, you will always lose the battle. Because who you're fighting is less important than who's fighting for you. The mountain that you see is is smaller than the smallest part of God. The, The thing that you're going on in your life and you go, Rusty, I could never imagine this. God has already delivered that. We just have to trust him. And when we decide to walk away, when we decide to move out of direction, we decide to just charge ahead and we leave God behind, we've already lost the battle. We've already forgotten how to win. You see, the truth is that maybe you've got a kid right now that's kind of challenging. It's okay. And you find yourself going over here with your kid and trying to clean up after them and they got a drug problem and so you're paying for that or you're bailing them out of jail or whatever and you're, you're always there, you're always there, you're always there and you're exhausted and tired and you can't understand why you feel like you can't catch your breath but then they move over here and they, they move across the country and you find yourself chasing them here and you're running and you're running and you're chasing or maybe they're not good at school and so you're doing their homework for them and you're taking them here and taking them there and you just feel exhausted. Can I ask you a really hard question? Have you waited on God? What if God is right here? What if God is right here waiting to go with you? What if God is asking you to draw your kids back to Him, but instead we're chasing them everywhere and we're disconnected to the one who can win the battle? Some of you have two, three, four jobs, and I get it, it's it's expensive right now. And I get it, it's hard but you feel exhausted and tired and you feel like you don't have any breath and part of it's because we forgot God all the way back here. And you can never win the battle until he directs us where to go. You See, Jacob found this out shortly after he divided his family. He, he prayed a prayer, which you should always do, but he probably should have done that first, but he did it second. And the prayer went something like this. Dear God, I, I gotta be honest, man. Esau's gonna kill me and I'm terrified He's coming with 400 men and I don't know what to do because 400 men aren't coming to throw me a birthday party. God, they're gonna kill me. And I need you to protect me. You always promised, God, you'd protect me. So I need you to protect me now. So God, please, please, please protect me. And if you do, I promise, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell everyone about you. I'm gonna serve you. God, I need you to do that for me. And then he goes and he made a hundred decisions that probably were poor, but he finally stopped and prayed. And then something crazy happens. And I want to read you this story. We're going to jump back into verse 22. And it says this. The same night he arose, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, children, and he crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of lint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and me and have prevailed. And what a story. What an unbelievable story, but it's kind of wild, right? Jacob is on the eve of the biggest battle of his life, and all of a sudden John Cena comes off the top rope to have a WWE wrestling match with him. And you're like, what is going on? But let's be honest, we've all done it. We've had a big morning happening and that night our mind is just racing. Have you ever had a conversation in your head about everything that someone's gonna say before they say it? And you were, you were responding to them before they even opened their mouth? Well, if they say this, I'm gonna say that. If they do this, I'm gonna do that. If they pick up a chair, I'm gonna pick up a bus and I'm gonna hit them, you know what I mean? Like you go through all these things in your head and you're wrestling even before the battle even takes place. It's exactly what Jacob was doing. But the truth is that he was terrified beyond belief. I think when I say wait on God, most of you think I mean quietly, on your knees, by your side of your bed, praying, going, God, I'm waiting on you. And maybe it looks like that for you. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It is. But can I be honest? I wait sometimes like a two-year-old that was waiting on some chicken nuggets that you just got. Like, I I scream, I yell, I fuss, I, I go nuts, and I'm waiting on God to provide answers. And I'm yelling, and I'm like, God, I need you in my life. To me, Jacob is standing here at the absolute biggest time of his life, and he ends up in a battle with God a wrestling match with God. And I think this is clear, and I I gotta be honest, I I wanna be really clear. Some of you think when I say wait on God, or wait on God's direction, or wait on his voice, you think I mean a really loud, audible voice. Like he's gonna come through a loudspeaker and say, go this way, and he might for you. But he also might not. The direction of God looks sometimes like a sermon, kind of like this one, or sound advice, or maybe it's the Bible where God has already spoken 773,000 words, a lot of them that you can learn from. And if you would just open up the Bible, if you would just get in, you would realize that God is speaking clearly. And you have to wait till he reveals that to you. I was seven years old at the Walt Disney World a retreat, a wilderness retreat center. And I was riding bicycles with my dad. I was on a bicycle. He was on a golf cart. And we're riding and the path splits. Golf carts this way, bicycles this way. My dad, being a good dad and meaning well, said, go this way and I'll go this way and we'll meet up. It'll meet up. And I go, okay, cool. Um, It didn't meet up. And... um, I was seven years old and I was lost for about two and a half hours at the Walt Disney World Wilderness Retreat Center. And I was terrified because it's Florida, so there's gators and elephants and monkeys and bears and whatever else you people have in Florida men. I don't know what else is there, but it was terrifying. And I was running around for two and a half hours as a seven-year-old not knowing which way to go until two nice old ladies came to me. I was seven, they may have been 35. I'm not like talking bad about old people. I have no idea, no idea. But they gave me ice cream, and so it all made it worth it in the end. But at the end of the day, I was lost for two and a half hours. My parents were panicking, I was panicking. My dad meant really well. He really thought the path meant up, but it didn't. You know the beautiful thing about riding bicycles with God? The path always works out. You have a God that sees your path, that knows your path, that knows where you're heading, and as long as you walk with him, as long as you wait with him, as long as you journey with him, it will all be okay. But you have to wait. You have to wait on the direction that he's given you. You can't go ahead. We have a tendency in our world today to do things and then ask God to bless it. Listen, I'll go to Golden Corral, which might be the best establishment in Zephyr Hills, and I'll get six plates, and I'll eat all of them. And then at the very end of that, I'll say, God, now give me a six-pack. And he says, no, I'm not doing that. Or we'll go to McDonald's and order everything on the menu, and we'll pray and say, God, please bless this food in my body. And God's like, no, it ain't going to happen. We do these really irrational things and then we go to God and say, bless it, instead of at the very beginning saying, God, show me the way. And it may be a salad. And I'm like, God, I'm not doing that. (laughs) But we've gotta begin to wait on God. There's three things that happen when you choose to wait on God. And I'm gonna go fast. The first one is you are refreshed and refueled. Often we're exhausted like Jacob was and we're trapped under that float and we can't really breathe. We go, why can't I see this? Why can't I do this? And it's because you're so tired from swimming or you're so clouded that you can't see that the float's really only this big. It's only this big. And if you could just swim a little bit this way or swim a little bit that way, you would be able to see, but we are so tired. We are so exhausted. Isaiah 40, verses 30 through 31 says this. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, for some of you right now, you are as exhausted as you've ever been. And 930 took a lot for you to get up and get here because you are so tired. And I want to tell you right now that if you would just wait and wrestle with God, if you would get in the word, if you would begin to pray, if you would get rid of some of the noise, we have too much noise in our world today and sometimes we can't hear God because there is so much noise around us and what you need is to be refreshed and refueled and that takes journeying with God, waiting on God. The reason you're waiting for that battle to happen, the reason you're waiting on that solution to happen is so that you can spend time with God. Remember, every battle is not about the victory, it's about the victor and his name is Jesus. That the reason you're in the battle to start with is so that you can walk hand in hand with the Savior that came down from heaven to earth for you. It's not about heaven. It's about Jesus. And we get so focused on the reward that we forget about the benefit of our Savior. And the reason you may be walking through this battle is so that you can be refueled and refreshed. Some of you have been tired for a very, very, very long time. And I'm telling you, the reason you're in a season of waiting is so that you can be refreshed and refueled. But that only happens when you wrestle. That only happens when you pray. That only happens when you're in the word of God. That only happens in the stillness and quiet. Jesus said he's the vine and we are his branches. And when I find myself over here or I find myself over here, what I've done is I've disconnected from the vine or I've stretched myself thin and I'm not getting energy. What I really need to do is stand in his presence, under his shadow, under his strength, under his will, and then I can be refreshed and refueled and then I can go back to the battle. But I've got to begin to wait. The second thing we need to do in waiting is this. Or the second thing that happens when we are waiting is we are repositioned, We're repositioned. Think about Jacob. He sent his family across the river. Why? So he could be alone, so he could wrestle with God. Now think about this really quickly. Sometimes in the waiting, God adds people to our life, and sometimes in the waiting, God removes people from our life. He has to reposition things sometimes. Have you ever tried to follow somebody that was a maniac driver? And like they're going down the street. Like they're like, hey, we're gonna go down here to Wendy's. Just follow me. And you're like, dude, just give me the directions. Like, I'll put it in my GPS, we'll be good. They're like, no, 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 just, just follow me. And they drive like an absolute maniac and you can't find them. You know what I mean? And they're like driving all over the world. What would help you follow them? Well, for them to stop driving like a maniac. But if that's not an option, what's the second thing? For the cars to be removed from the situation. If it was just you and them on the road, you'd know exactly which way to go. Sometimes with God, it feels like God is moving so fast Sometimes it feels like God is so far ahead of you and what you really need is to clear the cars out of the road. For some of you, you got people in your ear telling you all the wrong things. Listen, I was a poured Concrete for many, many years before I worked um, as a pastor. And I gotta be honest, I've met some of the guys that work on construction sites and they gave me a lot of bad advice. And I'm not saying it's true of all of them, but I'm saying it's true of some of them. And when you don't know God, you're gonna do the best with what you have. And the problem is that that advice is almost never going to be godly. It sometimes God has to remove those people in the waiting so I can see the permanent solution. But there's also some of you that you do lonely well, and you need people in your life. You need a lot of people in your life in the waiting, and the reality is that we all need people in our life, and we don't understand that because we don't do connection really well, not genuine connection well in America. Did you know that only half of the people that attend our church on a regular basis will join a group? We're in group season right now where we're launching all these different groups all around the building and it's ultimately so that you can get connected with God. And only half of the people that join our group or come to our church will join a group and out of that half, the most of them are majority, majority a lot of women. It's a lot of women that join these groups. And, and the problem is it's because men, we don't understand that we need connection. We don't understand that we need each other. And part of it's because you think, no, 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 life's going good right now, Rusty. Like, I don't need anybody. Like, I got a good wife, a good job, good money. We'll pass someone over here. Play it, don't be stingy. You know what I mean? Like, but the reality is that all of us know that the good times won't last forever. And we need people, not only in the good times, but in the rough times. But often when we get in the rough times, we didn't build relationships that will sustain us in the rough times. And I gotta tell you, we have groups for all of you. And the reason you don't join groups, a lot of you, is because you don't see a need or you don't see a fit. And here's the truth, we have a group for all of you. And if you'll give me just a couple seconds, I wanna tell you about some of the groups we have. So uh, if you have a family and you're looking for just a good godly couple to hang out with that have kids that would love to walk with you, Kelly and Josh Peak are, are doing a family group on Monday nights. They'd love to have you. If you're a gamer and you're really into board games, Pastor Pat is doing a board gaming group Sunday at one o'clock and it would be incredible. He would love to have you. He'd love for you to join there. If you're just looking for a great group to join as far as like spiritual growth, Zach and Christina Vernon who make most of this stuff happen that you see around us in the production realm, they are doing a group on Sunday night through a Francis Chan study that is mind blowing. They would love for you to come to their house and to be experience this amazing study with godly men and women that would love to walk with you through this life. There are all kinds of groups for men, for women, for young adults, for everyone. We have a group on every single day of the week. If you're like, hey man, I just can't find a time, look on our group sheet. There is one every single day of the week. All around our community. Some are here, some are out, some are everywhere. We have kickballing, we have fishing, we have other ING groups. We have a group for every single one of you. And if you would just understand that you need people for the tough times, you need good advice, you need good solid people. Michael just told us on the all-in video that it was at a group where God provided for him. Michael would have never received God's provision if he hadn't attended a group. Some of you are in a season of waiting, waiting on provision, and it's gonna happen at a group. Go get involved in a group. For your next step today, it may be going to that nice fancy tiki hut right outside and joining a group. Because I'm telling you, there's one for each and every one of you, and the problem is that you're just waiting. If you're going through a tough battle right now, can I suggest that maybe you try Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is not for bad people, it's for people. It's for people that struggle with hurts, habits, and hangups. And I'll be honest, we all struggle with hurts, habits, and hangups. And Maybe that Monday night group is what you need, a group of people to walk with you through that tough time. Or Maybe you're a teenager in the room. We have the landing, which is the teenage version of Celebrate Recovery, and God is doing incredible things through the leaders in the ministry there. Or maybe you just had a recent divorce, and you're in a season of waiting, of figuring out what to do. Would you go to divorce care with the Burtzes? Or maybe you just lost a loved one, and you're going, Rusty, I'm in a season of waiting, of not knowing what to do next. Could you think about attending Grief Share with Pastor Darius? You see, we have groups all over the building for every single situation, for every single one of you. We have prime timer groups. We have groups for specific ages. We have groups for every single person. And maybe you don't understand it yet, but in a deep season of waiting, you know, you need people. So try it. Try joining a group. The last thing is that when you wait on Jesus, you are marked by Jesus. Think about this beautiful story, right? Jacob is wrestling with God, and initially he wants to let go. The battle happens, and he's like, no, I want to get rid of it. But somewhere along the way, he clings tightly to Jesus, this person that's in the flesh. I believe it was Jesus that he's wrestling with. And he's holding on tight, going, no, 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 I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go until you mark me. He realized that the battle with Esau was around the horizon, and it could change his future. But there was only one person that could change his forever, and his name was Jesus Christ. That his future became less important than his forever, and he decided in that moment that he was going to cling To God, he's gonna cling to Jesus until he did only what Jesus could do. Listen, if you're waiting on God, if you're wrestling with God, don't you move until he marks you. God saw his faith and God saw he wanted to be blessed and he left an everlasting mark on him. And maybe today you're like, why did God do that? Couldn't God have overpowered him? Of course he could have. But he knew that he wanted Jacob to always remember that battle. And not only Jacob to remember, he wanted every single person to remember that saw Jacob. Think about Jacob going to the Dollar General shortly after this wrestling match. And he walks in with a limp and the guy goes, hey man, what's up with you? What's wrong with your leg? He goes, you're not going to believe it. I was in a wrestling match with God. He marked me. He blessed me. You see, in our world today, we see scars as bad things or signs of a problem. I see scars as a sign of survival. I see it as a beautiful testimony that my God brought me through maybe the hardest battle of my life. A scar isn't something to be ashamed of, it's something to be proud of. Think about when Jesus was on the cross, right? And he he died for our faith, he died for all of us, he died for you and me, and he died for the disciples, he rose from the grave. All the disciples are geeked, like so excited, except one. His name was Thomas. And Thomas said, I don't believe it, man. Not unless I see the scars. And so Jesus busts through the room one day and he opens up his hands and he shows him his side and he says, hey, Thomas, put your hands in my scars. And so Thomas touches each scar. He puts his hand on his side and he gets to see a scar that is the most beautiful story of love, the most beautiful story of victory that has ever existed. Those scars were not a testimony that they hurt him. It was a sign that he delivered us. And for you right now, this is such a big deal. You are so scared of waiting. Because you're scared of the scars. But I'm telling you, every day after that, you'll be able to tell a story of how good your God is. When you wait, you may get a scar. But it is the greatest scar because God has touched you. God has touched you. But he didn't just bless him once, he blessed him twice. You see, he changed his name. Maybe today you're sitting here and you go, Rusty, I'm a VIP man, I don't really believe in Jesus or God or any of that stuff. Okay, I get it. I'm glad you're here. Sincerely, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. But we, as people that follow God, we believe that all of us were born, that God created us and birthed us into this world as perfect beings, but somewhere along the way, we kind of screwed up. Maybe it was some of those things that I talked about earlier, lust, greed, stealing, being a New York Yankees family, maybe these things are what caused us. And what happens when we sin is we are separated from God forever, but Jesus came down to earth as the perfect sinless lamb to stretch his arms out on a cross as the greatest bridge of forgiveness that you could ever imagine. And you were able to walk through Jesus to the Father to have a relationship with God forever. And the Bible says that all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and also that you need him and you will be saved. And then the most beautiful thing happens, your name changes. You don't have to be Rusty or Zach or Garen or whatever your name is. You get to be a son or daughter of the Most High King. And I got to be honest, you can take my name as long as you give me the title son because all I want is to be my daddy's child. And all I really want is for God to love me. And that's all I need. That's all I need. And so today, if you find yourself stuck in a place where you say, man, I just need love. I just need marking just need sonship or daughtership. My parents on earth may not have been very good, but this God is the greatest father you can ever imagine. All you have to do is confess right now. Say, God, I need you. And it'll happen quicker than you can ever imagine. The rest of the story, as soon as the wrestling match is over, he looks up and Esau's on the horizon. Isn't that how it always happens? You get a word from God and you walk outside and there's a battle right there. The waiter's late at Ruby Tuesdays and you're like, I will flip this table. You know what I mean? Like, God gives you a word and you're just stuck and he's worried and so he starts bowing down seven times like waving a white flag of of surrender like please don't hurt me please don't hurt me and this scripture literally brings me to tears almost every single time and the Bible says this in Jacob's fear and Jacob's trembling he's scared but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and wept what Jacob had been worried about, what he had been waiting for, what he was so scared of, God had already delivered. You see, the battle that you're fighting right now, the battle you're waiting for direction, God is already delivering. You just have to wait because His timing is always perfect and He is always with you. And the most important part is not just the end of the battle, it's the journey with God's hand in your hand, walking with Him as He's marking you day by day. It's the wrestling, it's the waiting so wait on the Lord wait on his power wait on his direction wait on God you'll be amazed at what my father can do you see this is God's first rodeo and the bicycle path always goes the right way so maybe you're stuck under that float today maybe you're freaking out and you don't really know how to get out maybe just wait and I'm telling you in the waiting God will speak clearly and you'll find out that that float was never as big as you thought it was Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for all my friends here. God, I am so grateful for every single one of them. God, I pray you would just do a work in all of their lives. Thank you for what you mean to us. God, for those that need to accept you today, I pray they would understand that it's as simple as saying, God, I need you. That I believe you are the son of God, that you really lived, that you really died. And I'm putting my hope and my trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.